Hey everyone, Nathan Holiday here again, and welcome to another episode of the Gym Mastery Podcast, the place to be for success-oriented gym owners looking for an edge. Listen to great conversations with super smart gym owners, entrepreneurs, and professionals who are changing the game. Today we have David Allen, a lifelong fitness enthusiast and owner of No BS Fitness in Memphis, Tennessee. And with 450 members, David is running a tight ship and has big plans for even more. So the question is, how does he do it? Well, keep listening to find out because if you're interested in running a gym or you're interested in business in general, you don't want to miss this one because it's full of gold. So let's get to the show. David, uh, so great to have you on the call with us, this Gym Mastery podcast. You came up um, in a conversation that I was having a Gym Mastery episode with Chris Plentis, uh, and I'm super pumped to be able to connect with you, you know, and chat about all things business ownership, productivity, and then like whatever else kind of we discover along the way. I yeah. know because I did some research before this uh, the, our little podcast here, and I know a little bit about your background. But for those who are listening that don't necessarily know, could you do just a quick overview of your journey into fitness and into gym ownership and kind of what's brought you to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, my kind of background is I played sports all through uh, middle school, high school, and college. Uh, I got into training in seventh grade. I was really tall and lean, and everyone told me how skinny I was, and I didn't want to be called skinny anymore. So I kind of became me too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I kind of became obsessed with uh, training uh, in, in seventh grade um, uh, to the point where my high school um, yearbook or what, whatever group. Um, voted that in 10 years i would own a gym <laughs> nice and i went back to my high school union i was like huh, y'all got that one right that's you awesome. you're right <laughs> um but i ended up playing uh football in college at delta state i uh, got a degree in uh, exercise science and minored in nutrition and i wanted to be a college strength and conditioning coach at the time so i actually got on staff at lsu uh, worked there for a little bit, uh, came back to Memphis and ran a like sports development facility for a bit. Uh, thought I wanted to go into physical therapy school. So I left there, started personal training at a commercial gym um, and went back to take on my pre uh, my prereqs for fit, a PT school. Quickly realized like PT was not what I wanted to do. I just needed to be in a little bit more active environment. And uh, I mean, like on one of my rotations, I did um, – inpatient PT for, uh, like hip replacement rehab, which mm. is basically just walking people. You'd be like, Hey, Hey, Mr. Johnson, it's time for your 20 minute walk. Hey, Mrs. Johnson, it's time for your 20 minute walk. I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> so I also realized like, I'm just not a good fit for their commercial gym. Uh, so, uh, after about two years of doing that, I was 25. I decided to open up my own facility. So I opened up uh, MBS fitness in 2011. Um, I've grown a bunch since then. So we're in our 10th year now. Uh, we do uh, group training, personal training, nutrition coaching. Uh, we do have a 24-hour access piece as well because uh, we're like a full-size commercial gym uh, that caters towards people who are serious about training. We do have a recovery room on site as well, an athletic trainer that provides different recovery modalities, um, custom programming, all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's kind of how the gym came about personally. Uh, after college, I needed something to compete in. So I kind of did the gamut. I competed in, in a bodybuilding. I did powerlifting. I did Olympic lifting. I did some strongman. I did some endurance races. I kind of said, you know what? I like powerlifting the most. Um, and I powerlifted for basically 10 years with 
a brief stint into bodybuilding in that 10 years. Then went back to powerlifting. Um, I got up to like 285 because I had had a, an, an elite total at 220 and 242. And I said, I've got the numbers. If I push up to 285, I can actually get 308 and 275 elites. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll have at least four weight classes. And then my body just like broke down. It was not, it was just like, dude, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be 285. That's <laughs> legit. Like, That's a, I mean, you're putting your body through the ringer, you know, like yeah. with that sort of per- training and getting that much size. Yes. And, uh, it was just like my, my joints hurt. I was fat. I had like high blood pressure sleeping with the CPAP. I was like, I just, I remember going outside and like trying to hit the tire one day with like a sledgehammer and just like making it 30 seconds. It was like, I used to play college football. Like what the heck happened? And it just like clicked. I was like, I gotta be, I want to be athlete again. So then I started doing, um, our group training, which was CrossFit and have been doing that ever since. So about five years. Nice, man. So, you know, you've really gone down, had a lot of experience in different areas of fitness. And so when you found CrossFit, were you just like, okay, this is kind of the, this is what will this mixed modal sort of lots of different stuff. Is this where you wanted to stay? Well, yeah. So, um, to give you a little bit of background. See, I opened up my gym in 2011 and that was just around the time. Like a lot of the original CrossFits started popping up and were more, more um, you started seeing them more regularly. And that was also in the, in like the, uh, the early days of CrossFit were just in the internet or uh, social media when like just some really ridiculous stuff was going like, on. No one knew what they were doing. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, my initial impression, impression of CrossFit, especially coming from like a strength and conditioning background or powerlifting background was like, what the heck are these crazy people doing? You know, right. uh, especially totally. at the idea of like, just throw it up on the board type programming. Um, right. But then I got to watch CrossFit from the periphery and see um, see the adjustment and the development and um, people kind of actually learn how to program correctly for um, mixed modality fitness. And um, I kind of got to the point myself when I always realized this, I, um, I liked being an athlete and feeling capable and confident uh, in my ability to t- take on anything, right? I had focused on powerlifting for a s- significant period of time, and I saw the response, my body's response to, you know, prioritizing one thing and then pushing right. everything back. Uh, and and I was like, I don't want that anymore. Uh, and so the thing about CrossFit um, that I liked was like I get to feel uh, the benefits of all the different. Uh, fitness capacities. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I, I was like, I, I like being strong, but I don't want to just only be strong uh, at the sacrifice of all other uh, fitness components. Right. Um, and so in doing it and then seeing my body's response, I was like, okay, yeah, to me, the, the beautiful thing about CrossFit uh, or whatever you want to call mixed modality training is that it's like a great main highway that you can go down. It's like, if you, if you follow this, you're going in the right direction. If, it, if there's a period of time where you want to kind of like veer off a little bit to go explore this, that's cool. And then you come back onto that main highway. Um, and that's kind of where I got, I was like, I don't want to compete in anything anymore. I just want to be healthy and fit. Um, and I had gone way off on one direction. I was like, kind of want to get back to that, you know, that fitness, uh, that fitness ability where everything's pretty good, you know? Right. Yeah. Like, well, just what that well-rounded and, you know, 
as you were talking, I wrote, I just wrote a note down here because in those early days, you know, like 2010, 2011, I mean, obviously cross has been around longer than that, but like, that's when it really started gaining momentum. And when you started having more people coming in, it, it, there's this watered down effect and the original philosophy, this virtuosity aspect. And I talk about this a lot, like just in terms of what CrossFit is and what it's meant to be, yep. it gets watered down. And then I'm sure you've seen that picture. Like when you were talking about the craziness, I remember that picture in that competition where the person had a pair of rings and it was like draped around the guy's neck and he was doing <laughs> ring pushups on the guy's neck and between like boxes or something. It yeah. was just like that encompasses, you know, everything that's wrong when you, when you get, you know, people that don't necessarily have a background, but they see these creative and they're like, wow, I'm just going to mix all this stuff together and we're just going to create something, but it's, it's missing out on the fundamentals yeah. of like what it's supposed to be, you know? Um, and, st stupid yeah. human tricks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so like along those lines, like you've obviously gone down the path, lots of different stuff. Um, so like fitness, like lessons learned within fitness. And also I mentioned it before the call, but I was reading through some of your, some of the webs, your website, your gym's website, um, and seeing the body as a physical vessel to allow the pursuit of other things and make you better at life in general. And that was one concept that really always, I was a big fan of is just like when you're well-rounded in fitness and you can take these concepts and you can take your weaknesses and you can work on them in other areas of your life too. There's like a philosophical uh, benefit. There's, you know, a physical benefit. So you have more energy. So tell me a little bit about, you know, as you've evolved lessons learned within fitness and then like what you teach to your members in terms of like treating the body as a, as a vessel. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of concepts that, that, that we'll explain to people. And one is, um, the idea of like the fitness, uh, fitness, wellness, sickness continuum. Mm -hmm. And, um, the way that I explain it to people is this is health is a measurement of the degree of your body's ability or the degree of, um, of illness or, um, or disease or dysfunction within your body. So health is a measurement of disease or dysfunction in your body. If you're sick, you have the presence of disease and dysfunction. If you're well, you, you have the absence of disease and dysfunction. And if you're fit, you have the resistance to disease and dysfunction. And then fitness can be measured across multiple capacities. Uh, so we can measure strength. We can measure aerobic uh, capacity. We can measure mobility, flexibility, and we can measure different um, uh, other metrics like A1C, blood pressure, resting heart rate, all these things, right? And you can't really say that you have a state of health within your body if, um, if one area is really high, but then every other area is extremely low. Um, and so from the, from the concept of, of training, um, I try to explain to people that there's a difference between activity, exercise, and training. Activity is things done within your current capacities. They don't push your limits. They don't, they don't uh, improve you. They're just things within your current capacity. So like walking, gardening, you know, uh, washing your car. These are not, that's daily not exercise. Stuff. Yeah. That's just, just activity. Stuff. Yeah. Um, exercise are things that pushes your, your current capacities, but training is organized and purposeful pushing your capacities. And so one of the things that we encourage people to do is like, um, 
is get out of the mode of just being okay with activity or exercise and start getting into the mode of training with purpose, because it would be sure would be a shame for you to spend all this time and energy exercising and have the same fitness level as someone who's never done it. For example, if you did, if you did Zumba every day and you're just, you're super passionate about it, you went to it every single day, you're, you're doing Zumba for an hour, five days a week. And you do that for 10, 10 years. And then we ask you to do a pull-up and you can't do a single pull-up where you have the same fitness capacity when it comes to upper body pulling strength as someone who's never exercised a day in their life. Right. You, the person who exercises five days a week has the same fitness capacity as someone who's 400 pounds and never exercises. So th that is unacceptable. <laughs> That's right. a waste of time and energy. So if we're going to do this, we're going to take the time and energy to do it. It needs to be purposeful and organized. And unless we are competing at a high level, then it needs to encompass all the different capacities. Yes, training should be fun, but more than anything, it should be effective. Right. <laughs> if our training is, is primarily based around what is fun, then potentially we're going to spend a lot of time going nowhere. And that's, that's no way to approach something. Um, and so we encourage our people to, to recognize that the body is the vehicle in which the soul experiences life. And if you fail to take care of this body, it's going to have a negative impact uh, on your experiences and your, um, your impacts. So this is a filter. This body is our filter for life. And if, this is, if we don't take care of it, then that's going to have a negative impact on the things that are flowing in and flowing out of that. And, and we only get one go round at this thing called life. And we have to recognize that the choices that we make with regards to our body not only affect us and, and the, the small circle, but then they affect our close friends and our family in the bigger circle. And then our community, our country, our world as a whole. And so it's everyone deserves to live a healthy and fit life and to experience life through a vehicle that's well taken care of. But it's not easy. It's hard. And that's what we're here for as a facility is to help people take care of that vehicle that houses their soul and help guide them, keep them accountable uh, and coach them through that process so that they can uh, not only live the lives that they deserve, but then have the impacts in those um, ever growing circles out. Uh, so the way I describe it to some people would be um, a lot of people go throughout life uh, as a cup and they pour a little bit out for work and they get home, they pour a little bit out and they pour a little bit more out for, for their spouse and their cups empty at the end of the day. And then every night they're trying to refill that cup. They may refill it with sleep. Some people refill it with uh, wine or alcohol or drugs or caffeine or whatever they they can do to kind of fill that cup back up. And when you're like, well, why don't you just exercise an hour a day? They're like, I got an empty cup at the end of the day. I don't got any more water in this thing. And I try to explain to people, no, no, no. Exercise gives you a bigger cup. Right. Having taking care of, of this thing gives you a bigger cup so that I can pour more out and do a better job at work and have more energy at work and have more energy uh, for my family and have more energy for, uh, for my kids and for my friends and all that kind of stuff and do a better job of, of uh, just living life with them, being an example for them. Um, and so it's not this idea that this takes away from all these other things. Like 
but taking care of this vehicle, you now get to explore the world and live life in a much more beautiful and impactful way. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> the notes I made, um, function, obviously function in your body, functioning properly, moving properly, uh, is super important because it, it does translate to all sorts of different areas of your life. And then health span as a board, as opposed to lifespan this is a super common concept where you might live a long time, but if you're not functional in that time, you know, at some, at, at some point you get a disease and then you're bedridden for the next 30 years or something like that. Uh, that's not really the, the best way to live. You want to be able to have functional movements, be able to you know, eat good food, uh, and then extend how much time you can interact in a positive way with the world. And one of those things <clears throat> we are actually working on uh, internally on sort of a, a diagram, an infographic on that health the uh, wellness sickness continuum. And one thing that we've noticed is that a lot of people think that they need to be the games, right? They need to, when they, they need to be as fit as possible, but what we've actually seen in practice, it, there's a, there is a point where you get diminishing returns. So if you become too fit or, I mean, you, when you say that too fit, what's too fit, right? But what I mean by that is when you become so obsessed that uh, it takes the priorities over other areas of your life and you start to empty your cup because of a very bunch of various reasons and you start burning yourself out, inflammation and all this stuff. And you're, yeah. you're chasing and you're pushing and you're trying to get so good where you just, you want to be fit enough that everything's going to go well. And then if you start to go down, maybe like a specialization or something, then that's a whole other, it, it, you might be sacrificing a little bit of your health in order to attain glory and whatever the things are that you want in life, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I love that. I love that philosophy and, you know, chasing function. That was always a really big thing. And what really, uh, you know, appealed to me in the early days was, you know, function is the key and I want to be able to function well. And then as a product of that, look good, feel good and all that sort of stuff, but I don't want to flip it and just try to look good only and yeah. then not have any real world function. And I have big, you know, biceps or something, but then I can't go on a hike with my family and spend the day doing it, venturing, you know, yeah. I'll give you a good example. So like when I, uh, when I was powerlifting and my, and my biggest, I was a 700 pound squatter. Um, Damn. But I could not squat like my body weight down and hold it. Like if you were, like hold a body weight squat, I, like maybe 15 seconds, I don't know. And it definitely wasn't going to be a par beyond parallel. And um, when our first kid was born, we had like this tub uh, in order to like um, get him in the tub. You basically had to squat down and squat out of the tub. And, um, and I remember this is probably about a year after having done CrossFit. Um, now, like I said, I had sacrificed all these things to attain something beyond like what would, what would normal or like no, normal or, 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 or even, um, or even desirably like strong. Like, um, like I think like a two times by weight squat is like a, you're a pretty damn good squatter. If you can squat two times by weight and beyond that, any extra strength, the, the necessary, yeah, the sacrifices you have to make are just, you're going to end up sacrificing other stuff. So anyways, um, so it was very strong, but I couldn't, couldn't like squat my body weight. And I remember I'd been doing it for about a year. Uh, and I like was squatting down, like pick, I'd like squat down and hold my kid and like wash him or do whatever it was. I like started crying because I was like, <laughs> I like literally a year ago, I couldn't do this to my kid. Like I, I would have had to been like, Hey, my wife, Jennifer, can you come wash sit James? Cause I can't do this. 
which is kind of like crazy to think like I was 700 pound squatter, but I couldn't squat my own child up and down. So like from a functional standpoint, that was like a big kind of boom. Not too long ago, Chris Cooper and I did a live stream into the world-famous Gym Owners United group on Facebook. And in that stream, I went over three factors that will make your gym even more amazing. And these three factors are extremely important. And I built a little assessment that I'd love to give you. You know, we're all about assessments. And it'll show you exactly how you stack up and where there might be room for improvement in your gym. So go to levelmethod.com factors to watch the stream and download the assessment. Dude, that's wow. huge. It's such yeah. a simple thing, you know, like, and you wouldn't think about, unless you've experienced both ends, you wouldn't even think yeah. about that. You know, like I've, I've, uh, through the years of, of lifting weights and doing stuff, I've like hurt myself before, right? Obviously as people hurt, I strained my back or something. And I'm thinking like, I've strained my back and then I can't, I literally can't pick something up off the ground and I'm incapacitated. And I'm thinking like, there are people that live this way, you know? And it's like, it, it would just, it would always reinvigorate me to be like, okay, I got to get all the things in place that are going to keep me balanced, keep me healthy because you experience these low points and you're like, okay, well, I don't ever want that to happen again. You know, yeah, thousand percent, man. Yes. And, you know, so like through your uh, fitness journey, you know, you're working with people, obviously there's another simultaneous journey that's happening, especially like as a gym owner, right? So you open your, your gym in 2011. Uh, and then I opened my gym in 2012. So I was like kind of right around that time. And I, at the time I was an athlete, primarily I had a business partner, Sean, he's actually still, he's a, my business partner, Love Method. And, uh, he took care of all the business. He came from the corporate world. He was like, had all his stuff together. He was like squared away. And I'm like the athlete, the coach athlete guy that's going to be there, like doing the day to day. And it took me a long time to learn anything about business. I was so focused on my own athletic stuff and, you know, trying to get stronger and taking what I learned and helping coaching and all that sort but still sort of, uh, selfish in a lot of ways. Um, and then slowly learn some of these business principles and getting, so t tell us a little bit about your journey through business ownership specifically and some of the challenges and how that has all gone for you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when I opened up my gym, I was 25. Um, so, and had with zero business experience. So there was a level of immaturity just at the uh, business level and at the personal level as well. Um, <laughs> it's pretty common, I think, <laughs> especially those years. As a thousand percent. Um, I had something unique in the sense that we were the only like, at the time we were a little bit more of a powerlifting kind of strongman focused gym. Um, but I had something unique in what we were doing. And so, um, and I think I just had something unique in the message that I was putting out. Our gym's MBS Fitness, which stands for no bullshit. So it was, I was wondering, that's what I thought it was. I was like, oh, I was going to ask you actually. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of just my way of like, just saying like, this is my response to the, to the, um, Globo gym fitness. middle finger in the air. Yes. To the, to the fitness industry. It was just like a very 25 year old move. Right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, man, over the years, I, I mean, a couple of big things that I learned were when I first opened my gym, I opened the gym that I would love. And I didn't realize that like, I'm not my ideal client. Right. At least at 25, I really wasn't my ideal client. Um, 
Um, and I think that's, that's one thing that a lot of people in the fitness industry, um, or, or gym owners or whatnot, that they don't quite understand is that like the guy who's been doing it for 25 years and knows not everything, but knows a lot, like he's not your ideal client. Right. Uh, or, you know what I mean? You can't, like, you can't find 200 of those guys. Right. Right. And they're also just probably not willing to pay you as much. Right. Um, <laughs> they're not looking for guidance or accountability. They, they, they got that. Right. Um, and so that was a big one. Um, a, a lot of other ones were basically just, understanding who your client was. Yeah. Or understand who our ideal client was and, and, and how to attract them and how to deliver a product and service that, um, that they find value in, um, and how to maintain them as clients. Um, a bit, um, over the years, a lot of like what I've learned has just been kind of like on the job stuff. Uh, and I think one of my skill sets is I'm a pretty good problem solver. Not that I know how to solve the things, but I'm pretty good at finding out where that solution is and asking, you know, I'm not afraid to ask questions. I'll go talk to someone. Hey, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me? Um, one thing I've developed over the years is being very good at being uh, very precise about what I am trying to solve or, or what my questions are. Um, I think one of the, I was talking to my wife about this. Like, I think one of the benefits of being in sales myself is I'm a really good person to talk to a salesperson about because I'll just tell them, here are the things I need you, the problems you need to solve or the things I need you to show me value in. Like I won't beat about around the business. Like I'm willing to purchase this. If you can show me value here or solve my problem, this, mm. and, you know, and, and from like the salesman standpoint, they're like, Oh, okay, cool. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm going to pinpoint. <laughs> yeah. Damn. I'm right there. Or I said, you know, or we come to a quick conclusion, go, eh, we're not a good fit. I'm like, okay. Well, I didn't waste your time. You waste mine. See ya. Um, but I've been, been pretty good at, at, at solving problems. And then what I finally realized, I, uh, I basically outgrew, my, I outgrew my business ownership abilities pretty quick. Within five years, we had grown a significant amount. We were moving into a, we we're moving to a larger facility. And I quickly realized, uh, oh crap, you know, I'm beyond what, I, what my current abilities are and I need help. And uh, that's when I got with Two Brain Business. And that's kind of like when I flipped, flipped the, the script on myself and realized I need coaching at right. every level. Uh, so, um, working with two brain has been extremely beneficial to me, uh, just in the sense of, of recognizing the benefit of having a coach to guide you along the way, keep you accountable, being around other peers who are trying to, to do the same things. And I think that's been a big shift over the last probably four or five years is now like I surround myself with coaches in different areas of my life to help push me forward and keep me accountable. So I like, I, even the things that I'm a relative expert in, I don't do my own programming. I don't coach myself. I don't do my own nutrition. Like I don't do any of that stuff because I see, have seen the value of having a coach, uh, and everyone else's lives. Like I need that same value in my own life. Um, but, uh, yeah, another big thing I had to learn was that I don't run a gym. I run a, I run a business that just happens <laughs> to deliver fitness to people. Um, and I had to fall in love with business. I started this with a passion for fitness and it turned into a passion for, um, business and changing people's lives through fitness. And so 
like if if you guys see like how did your kind of mindset shift is now like I get really excited about business stuff and yeah. operations and reporting and all that kind of stuff that like, yeah, systems when people like, I, I remember early on and being like, I don't want to do any of this stuff. I'll hire a business manager, do this and I'll just coach. And, um, good freaking luck. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's not going to work. Um, so I think some of it just, I kind of lucked down the sense like this actually is what I like to do. I like that problem solving. So I like system, you know, finding systems, system management, like operational stuff. So those are kind of the, some of the, the big shifts that, that I've learned along the way. Um, what, one thing I like to tell new business owners is that martyrdom is not a good business strategy. Mm, that's, that's true. Yeah. It's the truth for sure. If you feel so like, and this was kind of a big thing through last year was um, a lot of business owners felt sorry for themselves. They went, this isn't fair. This is, and it's like, yeah, all that stuff's true. And you can have this own internal message and sitting there just being like, you know, complain to yourself or maybe you can complain to your spouse or whatever, but like your external message has got to be one of confidence, uh, leadership and a plan and saying, um, you know, there's, there's things I can't control, but here's what I can't control. And this is what we're going to do, you know? Um, and so like in talking to most business owners, uh, last either, year, either just put you in the dirt it was your best year ever right. or it, it rocket launched you into your best year ever this year. And I think that's a, um, I think that's just a response to either playing the victim and having the victim mentality and just saying like, woe is me. Um, like, like, you know, be like when clients don't want to do this or da, 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 da. And always kind of putting the, the, the blame on, on, on other people versus going like, okay, I'm, we're in this situation. I'm in this situation. What can I do today to make this situation better for myself and everyone in my team and taking self-responsibility to lead your entire crew out of this thing. And, um, so, you know, that, that would be a, a lesson I, I would go back and tell myself is like, don't put your feelings on social media. Right. Your clients don't give a shit. Your, your clients only care. Like, I love my clients. Some of them are my friends, but they're my clients and they're my clients because I provide them a value greater than the dollar amount they're exchanging for that. And that is the basis for that relationship. Um, the minute I stop providing a value greater than that dollar amount, they don't, they don't have no um, responsibility to keep giving me their money. <laughs> right. It's a loyalty, right? They're not going to just do clients in general. I like, have always thought that by that same philosophy is like, <clears throat> unless you're delivering, it's like, what have you done for me lately? And they're going to leave if they don't. So keep going, keep expanding. If you have anything else that plays, that applies to your staff as well, you know? Um, and, uh, I think having gone through some, like where I am today as a business owner is from outgrowing myself, going through a lot of crap, having a coach go, Hey dude, here's what you're going to do. It's going to suck. It's going to be hard. I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna keep you accountable, but you're going to do this. And this is the path forward and go like, okay, here we go. Okay. We're gonna make some big business changes. They're going to be really scary and, and, um, push me to my limits a little bit. And I mean, you know, I'm gonna go, yeah, I'm gonna do it, but then I'm gonna go sit in my kind of fear mode and go, Oh gosh, what's going to happen. What's going to happen. And then come out and go like, Oh, we didn't, we didn't implode. We actually, it actually we survived and it got better over time. Okay, that next, next, that next hard thing, like, let's do that. Oh, gosh, this is kind of scary. Okay, we made it through that. 
to the point where like COVID hit, um, I'm glad that COVID hit when it did because it hit after four years of really tough business growth and, and learning and struggling and going through having a hard conversation with clients, having a hard conversation with coaches and really pushing me to my limits to the point where like COVID happened. And I was like, well, if I got to do that, if I got through that, I can get through this. Yeah. Yeah. This is no problem. Yeah. And then same thing. I had a coach that's like, Hey, yeah, this sucks. You, you didn't cause COVID and you're not making these rules. Nothing you can do about it. What can you do? This is what we're going to do. Cool. And I think that just led to like an extreme level of confidence and just leadership growth that, um, that like as crazy as it sounds, I'm like, I'm so glad that like we got that because it solidified our culture and our team. It got rid of uh, some folks that weren't ideal clients for us and weren't ideal employees for us. They left. Our culture became stronger. All right. You know, everyone saw like who we really were, what we're really about. We led them through it. They were appreciative of that. And then that caused us to grow because people went like, man, like whatever they're doing, I want to be a part of that. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and that came from new growth in, in employees, people going like, I want to be a part of what they're doing uh, and clients. So last year was a tough one, but it, because it was so tough, just like a tough training session, it, caught, it forced us to adapt and grow and become stronger on the other side. So I think that's, um, that's a big lesson that I've learned because uh, there was like a point five years ago, I was like, ah, this kind of sucks. I want to, I want to hang up, hang this thing up. I was like, Running a business is hard. I don't know if I want to do this. And I talked to my friends and my friends were like, well, yeah, dude, you don't have to do that. Yeah. Just yeah. Do something else. And then I got talked to Chris Cooper and he was like, no, that's bullshit. You're just being a, just being a little baby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, is there any other vehicle as good as business ownership for personal growth? No. And yeah, I don't think so either. It's like, it, it is the vehicle it, and there's so many struggles and there's so many challenges and it's never ending and it's not going to stop. And it's just about continuing to adapt. And I, I just wrote, a, you know, some notes here, hardships create growth, Yep. right? So that, that it's how we grow is, is dealing with hardships. And some of the things you were saying in the beginning, you know, the entrepreneur idea of doing everything yourself. And, you know, most of the time entrepreneur, entrepreneur is going to be able to figure things out. They're yeah. going to be able to be like, okay, I don't know how to do this, but I'll figure it out along the way. And it sounds like you had that mentality, got to a certain point and had the understanding to know, to seek out professional help essentially, or even if it's not considered professional help, it's like another set of eyes that have a different experience than you that then can give you perspective to accelerate your learning, accelerate your growth. So you're not stuck in your own patterns anymore, thinking about the things and all the failures and all the little things, oh, that's not going to work, all the limiting beliefs. You have somebody who has maybe gone through it or has coached a lot of people through it. They can, they can, they can give you insights that will yep. rapidly accelerate uh, your growth. And then tying that in with this idea that the business is the playground. I, I, I think of business as like for adults, for like, you know, mature adults who are looking to play the best video game that there ever is, you know, business and yeah. like starting to understand how to tweak and make changes and to see this thing as a separate entity, as its own living thing that you're, you're on the outside tweaking, 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 and not looking at it like what you had said is it's a business, not a gym. 
right? It, because a, a business, the, the, you can have a gym business, but if yeah. you just have a gym and it's not a business, this is how you burn yourself out very quickly. And it's like, you're doing everything. You're making everything. You're grinding. You're you, the martyrdom idea of like, I'll do it. And then nobody around you, everyone's like, okay, you do it. And now yeah. you're doing everything. And then you're expecting everyone to be like, wow, you're so amazing or whatever, but nobody gives a crap about what you're doing, right? They're just, they, they want the, whatever you, whatever value that you have as a business, the, the clients are looking for that. And if you're not delivering it, they're going to leave. And I personally went through very, very similar, you know, processes of <clears throat> realizing that no one really cares, right? <laughs> Either you, you success or failure, no one really cares. It's on you to determine what you want and then, you know, mapping all that stuff out to make it happen. Um, and yeah, I think excuses is another one is the onus of control, right? And I'm basically, I'm just repeating what you said. I just took some notes because I think these are really, really good points uh, because it's very easy to let outside factors affect you and you have looking through COVID, you've got these two different owners. You got the ones that are like, I'm behind on my rent. I don't know what to do. There's all these things. Nobody, everything's broken down. And then you have the ones that are like, okay, what can I control? What can I do? And then putting, pouring everything into those and just ignoring all the bad stuff. And this is, I mean, if you look at success in anything, but especially business, you have to be relentless with that idea, with continuously controlling and focusing on what you are doing as opposed to what anybody else is doing, because okay. none of that really matters, right? If you, and if you're looking at that, you're expending energy in a way that is not going to be productive for you. Yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah, the, um, and it's also, it's just not good mentally to sit there and be like, I'm not in control. I mean- there's a recognition, like there's some things I don't have control about uh, over, but, uh, I'm, you know, spending my time and energy worrying about that. It's not getting me in anywhere. You know, that's just going to keep me up at night. Let me focus on the thing I can control. And then, you know, if faded doesn't work out, then hey, I did my best. At least I can sleep at night knowing I did my best, you know? Exactly. And, you know, you know, along the same line, it, it begs the question. So how does, how does one do that? And this comes down it, like, the keys to gym ownership, we kind of talked about a lot of the really important things, but then how do I distill down? And this comes more to like choosing what's important. Some of the planning ideas, I know you do vivid vision, which is, it's basically like a distilled way of planning where you do a, a big vision of what you want in the future. And these turns in, these turn into plans. So like for a gym owner, that's okay. This is all great stuff. It's like philosophical. There, there is a point where it needs to transition into actually getting it done, right? Yeah. Like, how do I actually get it done? And what do I need to do? And some of the things, you know, systems, routines, uh, battling overwhelm, prioritizing, figuring out what needs to be worked on, what you're doing on a weekly basis. So tell us, tell me and the listeners kind of what, like in terms of productivity or in terms of getting it actually done, what have you found has really worked, you know, working with two brain, I'm sure they have some really good strategies. I, we got a, on with my podcast with Chris Plantis, he talked about some of the things you gave him in terms of really cool ideas. So tell us a little bit about that, like that whole world. Yeah. So, um, the, the, the whole idea about vivid vision is to kind of project out three years in the future and say, what do I want my business to look like three years in the future? So that you have an actual like endpoint to shoot for. So the idea being that if you're trying to go on a journey, 
you have to have a clear picture of like where you're going. So you can put it in the GPS and say, like, Oh, okay. Now that I know where I'm going, now I can kind of plan out my steps to get there. If, um, if you don't have a very clear picture of that, then it's hard to make wise decisions on a day-to-day basis. Um, because things are going to pop up. They go, there you go, Ooh, that's flashy and shiny. Like maybe we'll do that. But if that doesn't fall within your vivid vision picture, um, then you'll do that thing and, and it'll just distract you and take you away from actually moving your business forward. And I think, um, the nice thing about the vivid vision, I think for us, uh, especially being in it 10 years and being like, we're a pretty big gym. We have 450 members and, and, and 20 so staff. So there's a lot of things that kind of pop up on a daily basis that are like, Ooh, we could do that. Uh, and one of the things about the vivid vision is, is it's helped us kind of go back and say, is that something moving us forward or is that just something kind of distracting us? Like even it might be a good thing if it's doesn't fall into that vivid vision, then we're just going to ignore it. Yes, that would be a cool thing, but we're not going to do it because we're, we're going this way. Uh, so the, the vivid vision is that kind of end point. Uh, and then what we do is we come up with kind of 90 day focuses, 90 day sprints. And we actually do this uh, as a business. We do it individually as staff. And then we take it down to our clients as well. And we say, hey, over the next 90 days, what's the thing we're going to focus on so that we can actually uh, ensure that we're making forward progress and not being distracted? So with our clients, it may, we basically use a SIM model, sleep, eat, move, manage. And we say, um, red, yellow, green, where are you on these different things? So if you come to us, and you're like, I, I want to lose 5% body fat. And I want to do my first muscle up and I want to do this. And we're like, okay, cool. Sleep, eat, move, manage. Where's your stuff? And you're like red on sleep. Like, well, what's going on? Why don't we get five hours of sleep a night? Then, yes, we could sit there and focus on nutrition. Um, we could focus on doing that first muscle up. But like the biggest thing holding you back is sleeping. So until we address that issue, there's no point in us in doing this rest of the stuff. Same thing with our staff. We we use um, called the six F's. I'm going to forget what they are. Fitness, finance, freedom, faith, Family, maybe family. And then there's one more, uh, but anyways, and basically we say, okay, what would you like to see? Where are you currently? Where did you go over the last uh, 90 days? And then we say, um, where you want to go over the next 90 days, but then we make them focus on pick up a priority. So basically like what would look cool over the next 90 days? And then we go pick one. Hmm. If you knock that one out before 90 days, you can go to the next one. But so like for a staff member, they make a well, you know, I want to add $500 a month to my payroll. And I also want to do, I want to uh, level up to black. And we go, which one's more important to you? Well, I want to add the $500 to my payroll. Okay. So until you've added $500 to your payroll, we're not doing, we're not adding any extra training sessions to get you to black. You're going to spend any extra time following through on these tasks looks for that and maybe calling old clients and maybe talking to new, uh, current clients and see if you can get them to bump up to an extra training session or whatever. But that's your, that's your focus for that 90 days. Once you do that, then you can go to your next one. So we take that big kind of three year plan and then we distill it down into 90 day chunks. This, so for, yeah, go keep going. I was going to say, for example, so over the last 90 days, our focus has been as a, as a staff, to grow the group training. So basically most of our trainers had kind of maxed out all of their personal training time. And uh, we felt like the biggest area of growth potential was in the, in the group training. 
So then we kind of go, what are the tasks that need to, that, that we need as a company need to do to kind of help grow group training? Well, let's start putting out more messaging through Facebook or, or through social media for that. Let's uh, interview a handful of group training clients and put their interviews in our, in our um, newsletters that go out. Let's create some videos for group training, push those out. Let's do some, some uh, bring a friend days. So like the, like the, the 90 days we said, here's where we are. Here's our target. Here's the action steps we're going to take to try to hit, uh, hit that target. Now execute. And we'll just kind of check it along the way. I and mean, every month, we're like, oh, yeah, we added 10 more members. Okay, cool. We added 10 more members. All right, cool. We're, we're tracking to, to reach our goal. Um, so a big three-year plan distilled into 90-day chunks. Then we SOP the crap out of everything. Uh, SOP means standard operating procedure. So uh, we basically have a Google folder that uh, everything is, exists on. And certain people have uh, information or have access to that. And we have a Slack communication channel. And so basically like our, like the way our hiring would work is, um, and, and, and this is kind of gets distilled down and since I write down an SOP for hiring someone and I give that to my head coach or to my general manager and say, here's how you're going to hire somebody. Then I'll let them, I'll, I'll take them through it. Then they'll take me through it. And then I say, okay, cool. Now you're going to hire this next person. I'm going to watch you and give you any feedback as you go. Okay, you did good. Now you're on your own. You can hire anyone. You know exactly how. If you ever forget, go back to the thing, which because they do, because they don't hire, we don't hire someone every month. So and that's why you need an SOP, right? Uh, one well, how did I do that again? <laughs> and then, uh, and then one, one thing I tried, I don't do the best job of this, is I try not to, I try not to be everyone's lifesaver. Mm. Um, like had, deal with the pain. If there's something weird, you got to figure it out. Yeah. It's like, like if someone's like, David, how to do this? I'll go, uh, I'll, I'll try to say, find out three solutions and bring them to me. Hmm. Or, um, I don't know. I'll let you know in three days. <laughs> so someone told me one time that, uh, they, uh, ignored any urgent emergent, uh, emails from their staff for three days. And then after three days, they were like, Hey, Hey, did you ever figure this out? They're it's all figured out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I don't like leave them out, uh, to, to drive. It's something that you're like, Oh yeah, you're, you're just, you're probably not going to figure this one out. I'll help them out. But I try to, uh, I try to make everything SOP and, and, and create a avenue for them to solve their own problems. Well, like a great example is like, mom, where's the remote? Yeah. It's like, and if mom goes and gets the remote and gives it to him, what does the kid do? Yeah. Every time mom, where's the remote? But if mom doesn't answer, the kids can go find the remote. <laughs> I don't know. You know, find it. <laughs> yeah. right. So um, that's been helpful. SOPing everything and then making it clear where everything exists. Like having it very organized where um, like, for example, our front desk, there's a Google folder. It says MBS Fitness Cordova. Then there's a subfolder that says front desk. And then there's a document that says how to do everything. Mm alphabetically listed like how to sell a retail product how to sell a day pass how to sell a da, 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 how to do inventory and um and then sometimes if they're doing it incorrectly i go back i go watch these videos so it's, it's not a whole lot of um that way it, it, it's it's not taking my time and energy every time to remind someone how to do that or or uh like i've said if we hire someone go, hey you're in front of us now watch all these videos now watch now do these videos with a front desk staff who's been here for a while. And then when they say, yeah, they know how to do it, then you're, you're, you're on the schedule. So 
uh, SOPing everything has been helpful. Then um, for myself, what I use is a, I use a app called Todoist. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing about Todoist, so uh, there's actually a guy named David Allen. He's not I, me. I know. I, I was, I was thinking that the whole time, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, and I can't remember what the name of his book is, but basically it's, it's just getting things done. GTD. That's right. Uh, and I kind of use, I don't go quite as extreme as, as some people go down that rabbit hole, but, um, it's 80, 20, right. Uh, it, what, no, like it, it's 80, 20. Like you do, you do the stuff that's going to give you the biggest benefit. You don't need to know all the details, but you're doing the big things. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I, uh, with some people like they, they, they super organize it. Like they've got like uh, and to do is you can make it like, let's say you want to assign a time frame to each thing and you wanted to like organize your stuff based off the thing. I got 15 minutes. What takes 15 minutes mm-hmm. to me? That takes more time to organize it than it does getting it done. But yeah. So what I do is anything that ever comes in my head is like, that's something I need to do. I just put it into do us like everything on the planet, literally uh, buy my wife a birthday present is in there. So oh, any, yeah, yeah, the, uh, this has changed my air filters, like in my, in my house. So anything I'm ever like, Oh yeah, I should remember to do that. I don't, I can't remember to do anything. So I just put it into do this because it will remember to do everything for me. And now, how did you find out what, what got you started in that world? Um, a buddy explained to me, and this was along the time where like, again, I had outgrown my, uh, you, needed well, what, a, you needed a solution essentially. The way I call it is like, um, your organizational and emotional capacity is typically going to be your limiting factors for, for growth in business. Meaning like your ability to take on, to emotionally handle more things or, um, not necessarily more things, but to effectively emotionally handle problems, um, good things, all that kind of stuff. And then your organizational capacity are usually the limiting factors. So at the time, my organizational and emotional capacity was at its limits. And I was like, okay, that was stressful. I was like, I either got to like release this stress, which I was, I was like, oh, do I want to keep on a business or I got to find a better way to expand this capacity. So I learned how to expand my uh, organizational capacity. Um, and he kind of gave me this framework and I kind of took it and, and you know, individualized it a little bit. Um, but that's, so anything ever comes in my head, I capture it and just put it in, in Todoist. And then every single week I look at what's coming up and every day I look at what's coming up and then I organize it based off a of priority and then just assign a time in my calendar to do it. So for that week, if I'm like, um, like this week, I'm like redoing my client journey. So like, this will probably take about two hours. Mm-hmm. So then I look into my calendar and I, I just put out a space that says reorganize client journey. Boom. But then what I'll also do, and th- this is uh this is something I have to really work on, um, is I go anything I can delegate. Let me delegate that mm-hmm. anything. Um, and what, what that's, I'm sure you've seen the kind of quadrant that's like important versus urgent. Mm-hmm. So anything that's important or uh, that's urgent, but not important, I, I try to delegate it. So like, for example, today it was like, change the, fil- the, air, uh, the filter on our cold tub. Hey, front desk, need you to change the filter on the cold tub. Then I get to check that off of my box and I can go, I can go do, do, do my other stuff. Um, 
So that's been helpful. And then another thing, one thing that we've really been working on is how do we scale to a thousand? So our three-year goal was a thousand members between three locations. And so this is kind of, this is one way that the, the, the vivid vision kind of helps because what we're, as we're having conversations, we were talking about redoing the client journey. And like one thing that we do is we send out like birthday cards and six month cards and one year anniversary cards. And we've been handwriting them. Nice. And we had a discussion about like, well, should we handwrite them? Should we do this? And I was like, Hey, look, can we, can you handwrite a thousand cards? That's a hundred cards every single month. Are you ready to do that? It's like, no, we can't scale to a thousand that way. So what do we, what's the solution we have to do? And it was like, yes, right now we, we are writing that, but that's not how we're going to scale to a thousand. We need to figure out the solution now that's going to, that we can scale. And so we talked about uh, how to do that. We use VAs for gems. I'm, I'm sure, you know, Scott. Um, and so there's a lot of the, a lot of the processes within our own facility that I'm like, okay, what can I SOP and pass off that I don't have to train someone new on? There are important things. Like for example, our, um, our retail, um, I was like, like we have an inventory, we have to pull that, uh, pull an inventory and see what needs to be reordered. But then I have to teach that to someone every time, uh, I have to rely on that person to do it. It's a uh, previously our gym man manager was doing that. I was like, do I want my gym manager spending time doing something that is retail? It's important. Uh, it's somewhat important, but it's not like super important in helping us drive to our, towards our, our ultimate vision. I was like, no, who else can I have do that? The VAs. Okay. We're going to pass that thing off to the VAs. So uh, by getting super organizing, organizing, SOPing everything, then that helps me delegate the right tasks to the right people, ensure that it's getting done so that I'm not worried about some of the day-to-day tasks. And I can always kind of have uh, my head up and, 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 and out. Uh, Jocko talks about that uh, up and out. If you're the leader, you can't be down and in always. In the weeds. Yeah. You can't be in here. If you're in this day-to-day stuff, you're not, you're going to miss opportunities. You're not going to be aware of threats. So, uh, as I'm kind of organizing my stuff, I, I go, okay, what's important. What, what is the thing? This, what's the one thing that I'm the only person that can do. Right. Anything else I try to delegate it to someone else. Um, and then I used to do is, uh, to capture all those things. So a lot of times I'll think of things um, that are important and I'll put it in, but like, I'm not actually, actually doing that task. It'll just pop up like, yeah, that's something we got to do, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to get someone else to do it. So I can focus on, on the important stuff. The Chocket Pro app will help build your bottom line and save you time every week on your business systems. Leverage their technology to add more personal training and remote coaching clients, build on your community culture through social engagement, and efficiently manage your time spent programming. Do all of this with one app, not three or four. Chocket Pro is designed and built by gym owners to help gym owners. Find out more information at chocketpro.com. You know, <clears throat> I, I really hope people are listening just because this is extremely valuable stuff, like from the top down. So just to distill it, right? You have the vivid vision, 
big high level of what you want to get done. And everybody should essentially, even in their own life, you have those six areas, you have maybe a vivid vision in each of those areas, a vivid vision for your life. You could do all that sort of stuff. doesn't need to be that crazy, but you got a big thing. These chunk down into 90 day plans, right? The 90 day plans then are like, okay, what do we want to get done in this relatively reasonable amount of time? Three years, five years, it's, it's not very, I, not, I can't control that, but 90 days, okay, that's a controllable time frame. And then what's the one thing, right? I might have a whole bunch of things, but what's the most important thing? And then I focus on that one thing. And what's really interesting it, within level method, we have this, you, you may have seen it. I'm not sure. We, we're just kind of like rolling it out. The, the planning software that we built, which is the, um, <clears throat> we call it everything that we do. We're calling cope. Okay. So it's clear outcome purpose, and then your execution plan. So cope clear outcome, purpose, execution. What do we want? And then why do we want it? And then what's next to actually make that happen? And then what's the most important thing? And then I can see that and I can stay focused over the long term to measurably move that thing forward. And when I lose sight and I get distracted by a bunch of stuff, I can come back to my list and be like, oh yeah, yeah. that's actually what we're working on. And I think that that just that factor of gym ownership or any business, right? There's so many things to focus on all the time and to distill down to have the one thing you can define that one thing, but unless you revisit it and remind yourself, you can still get distracted and go down and you've done a great plan and you've done all this stuff, but then you haven't looked at it for three weeks or a month and you now you're doing something completely different and it gets all cobwebbed. I think everybody has experienced that. You get excited, you build a plan and then you don't ever look at the plan again. And so it's like, what the hell did I do? So the, the idea is always revisiting that coming that and that comes back to the accountability, right? So making yeah. sure that we have accountability and then even most important or even more important than that is lead measures, Right. So you had like, okay, what's the one thing? Okay. The one thing is great, but what are the three actions yeah. that are going to push that one thing forward? And those actions usually are habit-based types of things, right? So I got to come to the gym three times a week or whatever these things are, but, but you can still see how you go from a very big thing, distill it down into these smaller things. And then as a client or a business owner, I leave with like the one thing and I got to, you know, check my finances once a week on Fridays. I always do that. And I'm always going to do that because if you start to slip we call it creep, right? Creep, things creep in and you forget about it. And then before you know it, you're not doing it anymore. And then the wheels fall off like three months later. And you're like, shit, I got to get these, these disciplines in place. So I think like just from that, like that distillation for people that are listening um, are just beautiful. And the sleeping, eat, move, manage, it's just simplifying things down into only four choices, right? Because what ends up happening is we overcomplicate and there's way too many choices. And then I had SOPs, right? So figuring out in your business, the primary things, getting those things together, making sure that you're documenting processes, you have an easy way to communicate with your people. You use Slack, right? And yep. I think Slack's a really great tool because it's a centralized location. Talking about a capturing, right? Like a lot of people don't have a system like you have. To do us, you got things three. I personally use OmniFocus. There's a a, a wide variety of tools you can use, but it doesn't really matter what tool you use. What matters is the concept of putting something in a single a single location and Slack can kind of do that for the whole team, right? Like you put everything into one place and people don't get lost. Um, and then the personal system. So your personal system, if anybody's interested in learning about 
the personal system. There's a blog series on Level Method about COPE. It's called Capture. Now this COPE is different. Capture, number one, organize, plan, engage. These yeah. four steps that you need to have. Now, the fact that you are, I mean, the overwhelm factor, it's ex- your description of why you got into the organization thing is identical to why I got into it. 100% identical. I'm like, how am I supposed to get everything done? Like, how am I actually supposed? It's like, no one ever teaches you these things, right? Like put things in one place and then create lists and then like prioritize these lists. But if you can get that in place, I think it really makes a huge difference. Um, And then finally delegation, right? So anything that you can find that you don't need to do because I think about it, like you think about productivity and this is, it's a big buzzword, right? Productivity. It's like, okay, I'm going to do my work. You can't really get any more productive than doing what well, you can. I'm going to say in a minute, but then doing the most important thing in a focused way, the way you become more productive is by you have simultaneous things happening because you've delegated the things. Right. So I just think that this was, I mean, beautiful, man. Like this is exactly what people need in terms of figuring out from a gym owner, you have 450 members, right? And 450 members is an outlier within the gym ecosphere, right? The gym world. Like it's not very many gym owners who have 450 members that are also doing a podcast, have a family, running multiple projects, training, right? Right when you got on this call, you just finished working out. It's like these sorts of things are not possible unless you have these sorts of things in place. So just in terms of having 450 members and looking at all of your SOPs, is in your mind, is there any chance that where you've come from and where you are now and what the business is doing, is there any chance that it would be possible without the elements that you sort of just went through? No, thousand percent no. <laughs> totally impossible, right? I'm about to open up a second location and a ninja gym. There you go. And um, and then you know, people are like, <laughs> how do you do it? I go, I'm just really organized. And I have a good team that I trust. And, um, and so like, I see the vision and I say, okay, well, in order to make that happen, here's a task list that task lists that have to occur. And then I just organize that in the order of, okay, well, first I got to find a building and I got this and project and planning, just project planning and now, I go, that you do that or, I, or you can do this. I need you to do this. Why do that? And that's how we get that's how we make forward progress. And so when you look at that project plan, uh, it's like when I look at it, I'm like, holy crap. Well, that's that's a, huge. That's a big list. But I just go, well, all right, what's the most important thing? What's the one thing that we can we can get done this week? And then we do that. And then as you do that, we just kind of start chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And then you're like, oh, man, we're halfway there. And we got six more weeks. All right, cool. We're on time, you know? Now, with that, like one thing that I, I'm exactly of the same mentality, like, and I've noticed, you know, building projects and, and doing that pre-thinking is hard, right? Not very many people are going to do that pre-thinking. Now, what have you found that helps you do that? And why do you do that? Because, you know, when you think about, okay, I'm going to build up, you got to sit down and you got to do the work and there's no way around it, right? There's no way to be like, I'm going to half-ass my plan. It's not going to work. You got to do it. So walk us through maybe your process and what you think about and what makes you actually do it. Yeah. Uh, what makes me actually do it? I think um, I'm a task-oriented uh, person. I am competitive and I am 
uh, trying to say the right word. I like challenges. So, you know, um, I think part of, part of the motivation is like some people like, like they, they want to escape life sometimes. Like they're, they're, they're like, Oh, I just like, if I work through Monday through Friday, I can just relax on the weekends. Like I can't wait till my next vacation. And like, I enjoy all those things, but to me, like I find joy in, and, 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 um, and satisfaction uh, fulfillment yeah, and for purpose and, and fulfillment out of getting things done. I like doing things. I like feeling like I'm, I'm moving forward. Uh, and so that's kind of one of my motivations. And I like leading other people toward, uh, to do those things and feel those things. And, um, and I'm passionate about fitness. So like, I think all that just kind of collectively comes together to kind of help to, to create that desire in, in me is like, once I get something done, I got my business where it's like, I, I can, I can take a month off, two months off, three months off and, and literally work from my phone. And so like I all day could just not go to work. Uh, that's boring to me. I, well, I like to work. So uh, I, once I got this business to that standpoint, I was like, why, what's the next thing I want to do, do more. Right. So I think that's part of like what pushes me. And I'm not, I can't tell you whether that's a good thing, a bad thing or right or wrong. It's just who I am. And, and it's that's like how- your in prior successes, like you've seen it working. I think that might be a really big, you know, barrier for people that haven't necessarily seen it work. Yeah. Right. And they don't have the experience of building that plan and then seeing that plan through and then coming out the other side and realizing like, without that plan, what I, what would we have done? How would we have gotten here? It would have been impossible, you know? So I think anybody, you know, that is thinking about how do you achieve more, do more um, and do it with less stress you've got to embrace these fundamental disciplines that are sometimes not fun to do, but they lay the foundation. And if you can embrace them and really become like, I want to use the word virtuosity, like taking that same approach and getting good at all these things and not making the, when you capture as as an example, the capture habit, the capture discipline it's, I'm, I'm sure you know, and I'm sure you keep yourself sharp where occasionally you might be like, I don't need to capture that. Like it, it comes into your mind, but then as soon as that comes up, you're like, nope, I got to capture it. Because yeah. if you let it slip, then you're like, oh no, I'll remember that thing. No, no, no. Everything needs to go in there because it, it's the, you know, your mental bandwidth, your brain's going to relax and realize. So, but you'll find, I'm, did you ever have that happen? Like in the early days, would you sometimes capture things, sometimes not? And you learned over time, right? Yeah. Well, it's funny because like people will see me and like, like I have my phone and they're like, you'll say something. Why are you on your phone? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, like in our meetings, they're like, we're like, we're having meetings. Like captured, like, I'm captured. captured. Capture. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm capturing everything I might have to do. Like now, if it pops in there, I go, man, I don't have to do that. Like, I'll just take it off my list. But, but by default, by default, I'm capturing everything. Um uh one way that I kind of organize like the future businesses, I just I basically have a notes section on my phone as well. And I kind of just laid out everything. Just I just have a brain dump about uh different categories for like the business. So pricing options, equipment, um, um, expenses, you name it, just da, 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 da. I just like just wrote down as many categories as I could possibly think in my notes section. Mm. And then as I kind of create my business plan, I'm going through those categories, adding things to them. If I get to a, a sticking point, I go, okay, mm, 
I don't know about that. I can have a conversation with someone. Then I go and have that conversation, take those notes, put that out. And then over time, then I've got like all these notes. Basically for two weeks, I just had just brain dumped and and put all these, all these ideas down for the, for the second location, had conversations with people that had all this information. It was like, cool. And I just like condensed this down to an actual business plan. Now, I, I just want to bring people's attention to one thing you said there, which was over two weeks. Now yeah. there used to be like, I'm going to have a brainstorming session. If you do it this way, brainstorming essentially is eliminated. Like, cause you've, you're a capturing, 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 growing, growing, growing. And then when you sit down to have a brainstorming session on the plan, it's like, boom, everything's here for you to work from. Everything's right there. And so basically like I've got a note section in my, in my phone. That's just like, just super long. Uh, and it's all categorized, but like, here's expenses, da, 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 da. Here's equipment, da, 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 da. And then, uh, now I basically take that and then put it into a Google slides that looks nice and is organized. Cause I do have to present this to the financing, uh, to the bank for financing. So then I just take everything, organize it, make it a little bit cleaner, a little bit clearer. And then that's my plan. So then I can take that to the bank and say, uh, here's the money I need. Here's how we're going to execute it. Here's how I'm gonna be able to pay you back. I take this to my, to my facility manager, like here's the plan. Here's the target metrics we're looking for. Here's what the sales, here's how we're going to launch our, um, our founders club. Here's how much we're going to have on equipment. Da, da, da. Like then they're fully aware of everything. And then the nice thing about the, about the second location is just copy and paste pretty much from what we currently do. But from the Ninja gym, it's the exact same thing. Just they're like, Oh, I have this general idea and I got to clean it up a little bit. What are the questions I need to answer in order to, have a clearer picture. And I just start working through those tasks. Bam, 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 bam. And it starts getting a little bit more clear, more, a little more clear. Then I've got all this information. I've kind of like asked all the questions I feel comfortable. Then I put down that, that business plan in a more organized, presentable form. And, and then it's execute time. When it comes to owning a gym, showing your members their progress and keeping them engaged long-term is really tough. And Level Method provides functional fitness gyms with a visual step-by-step -step fitness progression system that's fun, engaging, and easy to use so that regular folks in your gym can reach their fitness goals safer and faster than ever before and become raving fans of your gym. That is, dude, it's like I'm just thinking through it is like, would you consider these, the, the set of skills that you've sort of developed as like business superpowers, right? It, it's like, well, I, the, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a necessary skill that you ha better have if you want to, if you want to grow and, and this, and you know, it's not even for, um, just business. Um, so many people just mi miss out on opportunities in life because they're just, they're just not willing to take a little time and effort to, to define it and make it a little clearer. Like <laughs> people sometimes laugh, like the way that we do our finances is uh, we have, I don't know, it's like 13 accounts, something like that, but every account has a defined purpose. So we have a home account, we have individual spending accounts, we have a food account, we have an investment. Like profit first. Is that kind of the fundamental? Yeah. Profit first. We just do that for our personal finance. Same thing. It, how, how awesome is it? Like ridiculously simple reverse budgeting It's reverse budgeting. I, Cause I was like, I, uh, it's like, um, like I, I'm never, ever going to track my food and, and it, it, like when people or like budget your food, be like, I only can spend this amount. 
No, I was like, tell me what I can eat ahead of time. That's, that's what I'm going to do. You know, like, uh, and that's kind of same way with, with, um, with finances is like, I'm going to predefine where every single dime a dollar that I have goes. And so there's no questions about it. My wife don't have to have, you know, discussions about what, what, if we're going to spend this money or not, it's just like, is it in, is it in that account? Okay. Then we can spend it. Exactly. And then, and then it's the same thing with time. I don't sit there and go like, what am I going to do today? Or am I going to find the time to do this? It's like, I predetermine exactly where my time is going to go every single day. Now that, you know, obviously that gets pushed here and there from time to time, but I know, I know exactly what my day is going to look like every single day uh, because I plan that time out. And so it's, it's the superpower is just the discipline of, of committing to that process. Totally. No, it's, it's, just, it's so fundamental, right? It's simple, but not easy. It's like, man, so hard for people to like really get these things down. I think you're one of the few, I know a handful of people that have really uh, got these fundamentals down, um, but not so many that have done it for a long enough period of time to really see the benefit, yeah. right? Because it takes a few years, it takes a number of years, four, five, six years, but it's like it, compounding interest. Yeah. And it's like getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, going back a little bit to, cause we're, you know, we're a little bit, I could spend, I could talk about this stuff all day long, dude, but I'm thinking like about level method. And one of the big problems we have within level method, it's not a, it's not a big problem, but it is a problem. It's people not implementing it properly, not because it's a systems based program and we got a lot of stuff and there's step-by-step -step things that need to happen. So like when you decided to implement level method, I think you said back in January, and how did that process go with your systems and everything? And also maybe just talk us through like the thinking behind level method and in terms of your business, why you felt like it was a good fit. Um, so, I mean, obviously I personally like having a strategic plan in place and, and having objective measurement tools to know if I'm getting better or not. Um, and the beautiful thing about the weight room is that's pretty objectively, or that's, that's easily to measure. You either did more reps more weight, so on and so forth. Uh, and we, like I said, we had somewhat of a like level type category categorization for our clients to like improve. Um, but it wasn't as in depth or like, there's only four levels. And so like some of the gaps were just like, some people are like, well, there's zero chance I'm making the gap from, you know, level three to level four. Like and it's discouraging. They're like, what the hell am I even doing? Exactly. It's very discouraging. And I think one of the biggest things uh, that I liked about level method was it, it takes the subjective choice out of the individual and the coach. Because sometimes what would happen is in class, so I'd be like, well, I feel like oh, I can do RX. It's like you, you can, but you shouldn't because it's not going to be the correct dosing for what you need. Or, hey, look, dude, you need to do RX. Like, you need to right. push either it. way. It, it kind yeah. of uh, and so the nice thing about the level method was it was, just, it's a very clear and objective. Like if you're purple, you do purple. If you're orange, you do orange. Like it's, it's not, um, it's not, uh, there's not a subjective, like what, a conversation between the coach and the client and da, 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 da. And it just makes it very clear. Hey, here's where you are. Here's where you need to go in order to, to, to get better. Right. And so, uh, we saw the benefit. I saw the benefit in it right, right from the get go. Uh, I, well, after talking with Scott and kind of learning a little bit more about it, like, oh yeah, that's perfect. Uh, and so then I shared it with the coaches that, Hey, this is what, what I want to do. And then we very much just followed the plan. plan like whatever, you know, y'all send us, like send this to your members, like, okay, cool. And just did that exactly. Uh, and the members loved it. And we only had, I mean, think of, 
one person was like, well, I don't know about this. And guess who it was? It was the competitor mm-hmm. in, in the group who didn't want to like do it and find out they weren't really red, uh, you know, and we, but, and we've got people who are pretty daggum fit uh, who are red, who are like, yeah, I love this thing. This is awesome. You know? Uh, so across the board, uh, all the coaches loved it. All the uh, clients loved it. We executed it exactly the same way it was laid out as how to execute it. Uh, right there makes me feel like knowing you and knowing how you, and then the fact that you went it and then you had success. It's like, it's nice to hear that. Cause I know that you went through everything exactly how it would be laid out. Yeah. Yeah. We, we sent them the messages. Uh, I think we did whatever the two or three week. Yeah. Uh, the, the onboarding. Yeah. Onboarding. And, um, we made all the coaches go through it first and they were oh, okay. Like, cool. Like I see, yeah, this is cool. I, I, and, 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 and so, yeah. And then as this continued to grow more and more people like are bought into it because they've, they're seeing themselves, uh, level up. Right. Those make the progress and, and go, Ooh, cool. Like this, why this is what I need to work on. And like, one of the things about that is like, you know, white, yellow, orange, blue, these folks are going to be leveling up no matter what, but the difference is that now you have a way of recognizing and quantifying their improvements, yeah. which is super important for people. Cause it's like, without that aspect, what am I, what am I doing here? You know, like I can't really tell I'm getting better or not. Yeah. I think it's been awesome, especially for some of our, um, uh, less experienced athletes who like maybe financially, they couldn't quite commit to like doing three or four days a week of personal training, um, but they were like a little hesitant about doing group training. Mm-hmm. They'd go through the level method and go, Oh, okay, well, I can do that. Like, oh, I'm yeah, like you know, a lot of times they'd like expect themselves to be white on everything. Oh, I got yellow or orange, like psh, okay, all yeah. right, I'll go. You know, they would be they would feel like more excited about it. And then uh in the class, from the from their standpoint and from the coach's standpoint, it wasn't it wasn't like Hey, what can you do? Do we need to scale this? Like da da da. Like where they feel like they're like, it, you know, everyone's making an exception for them or trying to mm-hmm. solve solve like how they like can a special thing that they makes them feel like oh like what's going like I'm not even shouldn't be even be here. Yeah, they're just like you do. I do white or I do yellow. Cool. I just there we go. I knew it. I got and and the coach is like, hey, you know what you're doing? You're good. Like, yep, I know all these exercises. We went over it in the kick in the kickstarters, and I feel comfortable with this, and I'm ready to go. And then and they. So- like, what are your keys? Like when you're thinking about level method and from a system standpoint and from your operational standpoint, what have you found as the most important, like keys to have in place and sort of disciplines to keep in place to can have continued success? Um, we, well, one, you like having to do the Kickstarters, like we don't let anyone jump, jump into class. Like you have to go, th- you have to go through the Kickstarters. You have to go through the one-on-ones and get an actual level before mm. you can class. One thing that we do, which I think has been helpful is we do five one-on-one Kickstarters. And then we do a six Kickstarter with a coach in class with you as kind of like a handoff into class. And that's been super helpful. Um, Versus saying like, okay, so remember in class, you're going to be doing da, 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 da. Right. It's like you guide them through like the day-to-day decision-making that needs to happen. Like, okay, this is the way that's really super smart. Yeah, bingo. Uh, we also send a video on like how to use Chalkit Pro. Mm, okay. Hey, hey everyone, this is David. I'm gonna show you how to do Chalkit Pro, and I'm you know showing them on my phone how to just where everything is, uh, so that they're 
actually in in the in chocolate pro tracking their stuff tracking their levels like so um when they go through the kickstarters the coaches are like download chocolate pro okay you put in your levels versus like a coach punching in your level we want them to get on the app and put in their levels so they get some you know yeah, they're doing it i think that's super i mean this is i'm uh i'm gonna pull some of these ideas i think <laughs> absolutely so that they start getting a habit of doing it themselves um we print uh so we have a, a csm class of sex manager who i don't know how often he does it maybe it's every week or two weeks or something but they print up print off any level up certificates they go ahead and print them off and then we have them sitting on the on our whiteboard uh like ready for the client so <laughs> they're just sitting there like with their name on it and the coach goes oh who's got a level up? hey sherry's got a level up today come here sherry we're gonna take a picture with you it's been it, one thing we weren't able to do was like print them off right then and there. Mm-hmm. We have two, uh, two different buildings. And that was like, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. Um, so, but it hasn't really made that big of an impact and not give it to them right then and there. They still get get the thing the next day and they're happy about it. And they, they take the picture. And then we have magnets that we put on a board that like has their level. So like on there's a board, mm-hmm with their names on it. And so when they level up a color, you know, they get a new magnet, you put their magnet up on the board. So there's like a, uh, we want to have a visual representation within the facility. Hey, you can see what your level is and a physical, um, a physical award reward that we're handing them. Mm -hmm. So they're being given the uh, certificate and they're putting that up in the, in the building. Like permanent recognition on the wall and then personal recognition with the actual level up. I love that. Yeah. And then we take pictures of both of those and those become obviously uh, marketing opportunities as well. Awesome, man. I think, uh, yeah, this is, uh, all this stuff has been super, super valuable. And I really hope that people are listening to this. I've said that a couple of times, um, but to, you know, wrap it up, um, recommended sort of for a gym owner coming through, you know, depending on where they are, either books or just recommendations on things that they should go down rabbit holes, even mentoring, or like, what would you advise for learning to get to the next level for, for gym owners out there? Yeah. Uh, a thousand percent. I would recommend mentoring. Um, there's, there's someone out there who know has, has more experience than you knows the ins and outs a little bit better. Um, and can actually take an objective point of view to your business. Your business is your baby. You're going to have a subjective point of view to it. And sometimes it's helpful to have someone who's not emotionally attached to any of that. I have the prettiest baby in the world. <laughs> hey, right. That's great. But it doesn't make you any money. So, you know, <laughs> it's time to change that up. Right. Um, so the beauty of, of having a mentor is, um, is that it, it's someone who has an objective point of view can guide you and help keep you accountable. Um, I also think it's very important to be in contact with other peers. Um, like I don't have any peers here. My wife's not my peer. She doesn't own a business. She doesn't own a fitness business. My staff are not my peers. They're all my friends and my family. And I love them to death, but like, there's certain things I can't share. They don't do what you do. Yeah, I can't share it emotionally with them. There are business owners I know, but they're not fitness business owners. So being part of a group of other peers or talking with peers on a regular basis, whether it's whether it's like this or whether it's in your own hometown, being around other peers that 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 you can at least share 
insight, emotion, uh, and collaborate with is super important. Um, as far as books go, um, I'm not a super big fan of just like constantly consuming business help books. Uh, because I think sometimes I just get you in the weeds a little bit. Uh, you're always like trying to change things that like may or may not need, need changing. Uh, so like a rotation that I'll go through is I try to read, uh, like some type of professional development book. It, it, it may, it may be like the last one I read, I think was traction. Mm, um, um, but also maybe something like, um, whatever Jocko's latest book was, um, so I go through something like that. Then I may read uh, kind of like a non-business but non-fiction book that's that's uh, perspective for perspective, like outside stuff. Yeah, so like the latest one I read was um, Comfort Crisis. Okay, which <laughs> it's a great book. I highly recommend reading that. Uh, and then I'll usually read some type of historical uh, perspective. It may be a um, it may be a biography. Uh, I'm reading one called Chaos right now, which is about the Manson murders. Was, I mean, it's just, this it's is more fascinating. Just, <laughs> holy crap, this is bonkers. It's just something to kind of like relieve my brain of uh, of, of the constant. Um, the same I, patterns. Yeah, that's why I try not to read constant business books because I, then I'll just I'll tweak too many things. You know, I like to have an idea and enough time to come like, uh, digest it and then maybe implement what needs to be implemented and, and see how it works versus like every two weeks trying to implement some new business thing. Right. Or listening to audiobooks at two times speed over and over and over, like every, every freaking book you can find. You know, and I, I, I cannot, I don't do Google audiobooks. Um, well, I, I had listened to podcasts for news. So I spend all day in the gym. So I don't want to listen to music like in my car. <laughs> I listen to music literally all yeah. day. So in my car, I usually listen to the news so I can say somewhat up to date. And then I read every night. Um, and that's how I kind of go through, through my books. Um, so I think, I think one of the better strategies instead of just consuming business books is like uh, working with a mentor and having someone kind of go, you know what, this is a book that, that you should read that would apply to like where you are now. Yes. Yeah, a curated, good, like applicable book. Yeah. Last year I read, oh, what's the name of it? It's something in crisis forged in crisis, something like that. It's about, it was, it was a historical perspective about different leaders and like times of crisis. Mm -hmm. So like one was Abraham Lincoln through the civil war. One was like a captain who went on a trip to Antarctica and got shipwrecked and, and saved almost all his men. So it was like, okay, <laughs> I probably need to read something like that. We're going through this COVID. Yeah, and what I'm going through isn't that hard. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's somewhat motivated. It's like, okay. Yeah. Like, you know, to, to, to get a, a leadership perspective, you know, at that point in time, it wasn't like reading a marketing book. Wasn't going to, going to like right. help out. And I was like, I need to read something that's going to motivate me to like lead in this crisis situation. So that's kind of how I'll structure my personal education. Now, did you get that idea uh, from somewhere or did you just sort of do it on your own, just rotating through? Yeah. Like a lot of times what I'll do is as I'm, I'll, if I see a book, then I'm like, Ooh, that's a good book. I need to read that at some point. I'll order it. I'll just go ahead and order it. And then I, I have like a stack of books, you have a backlog, the backlog. And then I just kind of go, mm, that's the one that'll be ap applicable to, to this situation. Or if I'm talking to someone, I'll say, Hey, read any good books that apply to like what you're doing now. Or if I talk to someone, uh, who's 
going through something like you read any books about this or anything that you find helpful. And if they say yes, then I kind of like, okay, cool. I'll order that book and have it in a backlog so I can go back and read it. But I mean, I read, I read a good 30 to 60 minutes before, before I go to bed every night. So I, I can knock out a book in about two to six weeks, depending on how big it is. Mm, that's so, awesome. And I, I mean, I love that. I love that strategy. I do something similar. Um, I have a big, long backlog of in different areas and I kind of go through and I'm like, okay. And then I'll either order or listen to it. Um, but I think that having that, having a diverse input, different inputs, yeah. not just the same streamlined input, you need raw information from all sorts of different places, because this is how you make connections that you would never make, right? Things that like, oh, and then you get a story about something and it matches perfectly and it like helps you communicate. So I think that that's beautiful. And um, <clears throat> yeah, man, I want to thank you so much for sharing all this stuff. Uh, just so much gold in this one. And I mean, we're speaking the same language when it comes to systems and stuff. I freaking love this stuff. Um, so yeah, any any last words? How, how would people get in contact with you? That's really what I, like if someone wanted to touch base with you or whatever, what would people do? Yeah, my email is david at nbsfitness.net. Make sure you put .net, not .com. Um, or you can find me on Facebook, David Allen. There's a lot of David Allen. So if you can't find me on Facebook, you can find me on uh, Instagram. It's MBS fitness owner. And, uh, yeah, you can reach out either of those ways. Um, email is the best to get an actual response. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for joining me. And, uh, I look forward to seeing what you do and, you know, touching base over the next you know, few months. Absolutely. bud. No problem. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Gym Mastery Podcast. If you know someone who might like it, please share it with them. And if you're a gym owner wondering about the level method, uh, in a nutshell, it's a step-by-step -step fitness progression system that's fun, engaging, and easy to use so that regular folks in your gym can reach their fitness goals safer and faster than ever before and become raving fans of your gym. If that sounds interesting, please go to levelmethod.com to get in touch with us. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.